0: the right idea at the right time
1: the miracles of logistics every day
2: i just challenged all of their rules technology is revolutionizing this industry changed our lives close your eyes for a second
1: new york hong kong paris
2: we're more connected you just never know where the next innovation will come from rules are beginning to change
0: This is Longitudes Radio, a podcast with today's leading experts about the future of technology, global trade, sustainability, and logistics. From Atlanta, I'm Brian Hughes. And I'm James Rowe. James, today we're launching our series about how to move urban logistics forward. It's actually more exciting than it sounds. No, it's really important, guys, because uh, by 2050, two-thirds of the global population will live in cities. With that movement, we're going to have to figure out how to get people the goods they want, how to do it sustainably, and how to do it in a very compact space. So today, we're talking with John Davies. He's the vice president and senior analyst at GreenBiz Group. Uh, GreenBiz looks at the intersection of business, technology, and sustainability and tries to find
2: the sweet spot. So let's uh, let's talk with John.
0: So I want to start with this idea of sustainable urban logistics. Why, why should we care about this? Obviously, it's something you're passionate about, and it has a lot to do with future population growth and where cities are going. What What does that mean to you, and why does it matter?
1: Well, I think what it, what it means is that there's been a lot of focus by various city planners to look at how to move people around and whether they have a bike plan or a, a mass transit plan. But what we haven't really seen is, is city leaders working on developing a plan for moving goods. And, and, you know, that's half of what's moving around the city most of the time.
0: So in other words, there's a lot of focus on how people move within cities, but not necessarily the goods that they consume.
1: Exactly. And, and I don't think it's an issue that a lot of city leaders think about, even though they see the impacts uh, all the time.
2: Well speaking of that we've had a lot of inclement weather you know some some really bad storms uh that hit uh, in the gulf and now here in Florida and it looks like um you know you have some bigger issues related to weather in moving people in and out um but also the products getting back in and getting help to those people in need so it seems like you know this is definitely a trending topic right now
1: Yeah I, th- I think it's uh, interesting that we We depend so much upon logistics, but we don't really think about how much it impacts our everyday life. And even now, I'm not sure how much people think about the logistics of what it really takes to to come back from storms.
0: John, so this Green Biz UPS study looks at the fact that two-thirds of the global population will be living in cities by the year 2050. With that trend comes a lot of problems, it also creates a lot of opportunities. Can you talk about some of the most important things you found in doing your research?
1: Well, I think some are, are things that you would expect, like, you know, the, the concern is around congestion and pollution. And I think what was interesting about the research was that we did both quantitative research, reaching out to the Green Biz Intelligence Panel and surveying businesses Um, around this whole concept of sustainable urban logistics. But we also conducted a number of qualitative interviews with NGOs and academics and business leaders, uh, city, city officials. And so I think getting all those perspectives, you know, we got some quantitative perspectives that I think are important For example, 95% of the companies surveyed see that there are challenges in growing cities in this topic of urban logistics.
0: So is it fair to say the two biggest areas of concern were air quality and congestion?
1: Those were definitely the two biggest far and large. Nothing else even came close to it.
0: Okay, let's look at congestion first. There are probably several things you learn that will keep you awake at night, right? That's true for me. What makes you the most nervous?
1: makes me most nervous i think is all of the one-off deliveries i i think in san francisco there are probably four or five online liquor delivery services that you know you can enter in what you want and get a six pack of beer delivered to your house in 20 minutes or something and and this just really adds to tremendous congestion so i think when you get to the e-commerce side the more that that Uh, Someone like a UPS can act as a consolidator, so maybe all the goods are shipped into a a point just outside the city that then can be brought in by a logistics provider like UPS to to deliver the products inside the city, the better off everyone will be.
2: I I can see that being a real big problem around like a Super Bowl or something where like to, uh, thousands of six packs being ordered, right?
0: Yeah, and to, yeah. and to be clear, we're not condemning that in any right, way. Uh, right, right. We just wanted to be a little more environmentally friendly.
2: Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, hey, you mentioned some things that made you nervous uh, in in about the future here. Um, kind of dialing back to the report and your your interviews that you had when you were sitting down with these people. What kind of sense did you get of what made them nervous?
1: Well, I think uh, the the lack of Collaboration up to this point and lack of planning is definitely one thing that I think makes people nervous. And I think the short term versus long term view, you know, I mean, several people mentioned to me that, you know, every mayor wants to make his uh, or her impact on their city. And so the nature of elections changing things made a few people say, you know, we need a process that goes beyond you know, the term limit of of any given city leader. So I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective.
0: I know a lot of times when we talk about these things, it's almost easy to get fatalistic, right? Because the problem seems just so massive and a lot of people or even businesses say, like, I'm just one entity, what can I really do? Are you optimistic?
1: I think what came out of this that is maybe sheds the most optimistic light is just how important it is that the decisions that get made around this are are data driven and that city planners and everyone involved, all the different stakeholders, you know, really look toward data driven solutions and, and so when I say that, I mean that they can't just implement policies because it sounds like a good idea. And so I think one of the interesting things about what we did with this research and what what UPS does is develop programs that are extremely data-driven. And so, you know, they look at this when evaluating routes, when evaluating operations. And so I think bringing that perspective into the conversation is going to really uh, unearth some some great opportunities, not just for the logistics providers like UPS, but for the cities themselves to have a partner that that can help them understand how to utilize all this data to really create a more efficient and effective city.
2: So, you know, speaking of the data, um, what were some of the more surprising things that you ran into in in the results? Like, you know, we talked about the obvious ones of air pollution and congestion, but as you kind of go down the list, could you share a couple with us?
1: Well, I, you know, I think one of the things that uh, – What's surprising to me is just how unique every city is and that there's no one-size-fits-all solution. We did discuss with a number of different folks uh, the types of approaches that can be taken, and there's lots of cool technology that's starting to be uh, utilized, uh, and I even include, you know, bike deliveries and trike deliveries as as part of cool technology, not just drones. So I I think just the uniqueness of cities and the challenge of how companies and and logistics providers are going to approach all those different cities and and what can happen uh, to make these more effective.
0: So, John, the cities that are doing this well, and by this I mean urban logistics, is there something that they're doing differently that stands out to you or something that makes them more effective in their approach? There's a
1: couple of things. One, they actually are planning for good delivery. I mean, it's just shocking how few cities actually have developed any sort of plan. And I think the other thing is that they're bringing all the stakeholders together to really look at what needs to be done, what fits in their city, and then doing trials. So we've seen cities like Seattle and the U.S., Developing some interesting approaches in the Washington D.C. area, there are some things, and then you know it's it's well documented on the UPS website uh, um, of all the things that the city of Hamburg has done, and some of the things that they're they're continuing to uh, improve upon and expand into.
2: So, in a couple of these cities, like you mentioned, Seattle and the D.C. area, Boston, even, um, are you seeing kind of an uptick of private? industry working with government? And if so, how, how is that working?
1: I think private industry as well as uh, academics. And so the way it's working best is when, when an entire group can be convened, you know, of all the different stakeholders. And that's one of our, of our recommendations in the, in the report is that you really need to bring all the different stakeholders together. And by including business, I think you have to look longer term. I mean, you can't just look at, uh, you know one mayor's term, but you have to look at a plan that goes beyond that because these solutions and and, and uh, approaches are going to have to develop over
0: time. And given all the conversations you're having on the ground with all these different stakeholders, what is your pitch to business? And by that, I mean, I think a lot of people in business might say, yeah, I get that it's a problem, but it's not good for us from a business perspective to tackle these things right now. I'm sure you might encounter that, even though it does sound like a lot of businesses are aware of the problem. Do you have kind of a message to them that now is the time to act?
1: Uh, you know, it's it's interesting you ask that question. It's, it's kind of a general question when it comes to sustainability and sustainable business is that if you're not at the table uh helping to develop these approaches and solutions then whatever gets decided is going to be imposed on you and so we usually talk about this in terms of regulations whether it's green chemistry or you know other other product development issues or um even things like a a carbon fee and and you know talking to government about a carbon fee or a carbon tax, so I think when it comes to urban logistics, if you're not at the table with these city leaders and the other stakeholders discussing strategies, then you may find yourself on the wrong end of a policy that a city adopts and so I think it's critical that business gets involved and in, and in providing their perspective. You look at uh, one of the examples in in the report is around New York City and night deliveries. And this is great for some industries and for some businesses, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. I mean, all deliveries aren't going to be able to occur at night. And so it might sound great from a city planner perspective to, to say, oh, everyone's going to get deliveries at night. But for a lot of businesses, that will have a very negative impact.
2: What kind of impact would it have if you look at a city maybe uh, internationally, like let's say uh, a a very large uh, city in Africa versus one in the United States? How do you approach um, this problem of of creating the city of the future in those two different environments? Uh, Did your survey talk about that? Basically in a developing nation as opposed to a developed. Right. Yeah. Do you approach those differently?
1: I, I think... You know it's not just those two very disparate examples. It's almost every city you know we did talk to a few different people around developments in uh, India and what some of the challenges are there and It's not just a challenge of the logistics itself um it's it's how goods are paid for, how commerce is transacted. So, for example, in in a number of these developing areas in Central and South America and in India, the person delivering the goods is also the person collecting the money. And so you have to look at a much broader solution than just, oh, here's here's how we're going to change goods delivery. And in some of these areas, it's how commerce will change.
2: So did the survey kind of reveal... There are some much hotter areas that need to be addressed in a, a very quick time frame uh, versus others i'm I'm kind of trying to get a sense of of how much time we have to deal with this issue and and prepare for the cities of the future
1: uh you know i think it's it's linked with a number of different issues you know whether it's climate change or or other sustainability. Focused issues. Uh, just recently, we've seen Paris and London say that by 2040 they they don't want diesel, and so I think these things are going to creep up fairly quickly on that. Um, I also think just the length of commute times. You know, I live in Southern California. You know, driving in Los Angeles is is horrible at any time, but uh, you know,
2: when Her you get into the
1: downtown, yeah. it gets even more difficult. So I think. Cities are looking for solutions that will combine this focus on sustainability and reducing emissions and making a more pleasant environment for for people to to live there.
0: So how do you do all this in the age of e-commerce, right? Because if you think about it on the face of it, with e-commerce and all these goods are available at the click of a button – it would seem that you would have to move more goods in the carbon footprint, and the strain of doing this would be exacerbated even more. How do you confront that challenge? I
1: think that we'll have to drive a lot more innovation in terms of uh, what happens in cities, whether it's staging high volume products closer you know in, in sort of consolidation centers around around the city, um, whether it's having uh, delivery lockers or, you know, places where people can pick up like at the UPS store or the UPS pickup points.
0: So we talk a lot about the importance of designing how you move goods and how you get them to people. But can you talk a little bit about the importance of urban design? And by that, I mean the actual structures we live in?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the opportunities in developing cities, even down to the mundane level of designing curbs and, and parking spaces that are more accessible for goods delivery, but also designing lobbies of, of buildings that can have lockers, you know, storage lockers that can be used to drop off goods. There are a lot of different... Um, areas where you, if you can design it in, and even in these um, developing or reemerging cities like a Detroit, right, if you can design in some of the access for goods delivery, some of the delivery points um, within a, a, a large tower, then you're going to be ahead of the game as opposed to some of the challenges like when you look at a city like London where the streets are tight and, and there's not a lot of rebuilding that or you know space in order to make changes.
2: So you know when you're looking at this kind of planning and obviously you're trying to orchestrate um, much higher numbers here, can you use data and analytics to help kind of um, create this program or, or shape these cities that we're talking about?
1: think that's what you have to do and you know there there's you know with the rise of uh, iot the internet of things where sensors are being placed everywhere i think there's a real opportunity um i think ups is doing some of this on their trucks and and i think uh there are Programs like at University of Washington where they're doing the time motion studies, not just the, the travel through the city, but time motion studies of the delivery person, how long it takes them to access the building to drop off something. I, I have a 20 some odd year background in, in logistics and warehousing and distribution. And, you know, one of the great things about people in supply chain and logistics is they're very data driven and they, they want to eke out that last last drop of efficiency. And so I think bringing that perspective to the design of, of cities is really important if you want to achieve a good, healthy community that that's effective and efficient.
2: So let's, um, John, let's get back to that, uh, the report that you have. Could you give us a, a pitch on you know, why the average uh, person out there in the business would want to read it, and what should they look for in the report?
1: Well, I think anyone in business needs to, to read it just because it's it's a tackling of an issue that's sort of hiding in plain sight. I think we say in the report that that it's it's a challenge that's only going to increase as population increases and density increases in urban areas. So, I think it's just a a primer for what lies ahead because it's going to be an issue for any company, whether you're e-commerce or traditional. You're going to have to address these issues of congestion and pollution. And this is a good way to sort of get an introduction to the topic.
0: So I get the irony of what I'm about to say, given that we're doing a podcast. But what I keep hearing from you over and over again is that talk can only get people or businesses so far. They can talk about all the problems they want until they're blue in the face, but we need to do something about it.
1: Right, and I think actually the talk is the, is the important thing. I mean, one of the things that we've uh, indicated in the report is that we need to have certain organizations, whether it's an NGO or whether it's an academic institution, to so bring all the different parties to the table to have this conversation because it's a conversation that just hasn't been happening very often and and that means bringing business to the table as well to have you know to participate in this conversation
2: so speaking of the academic side what were a few of the universities and institutes you interviewed for the survey
1: we talked with MIT they have a mega cities logistics lab Uh, We talked to uh, some people at the University of Washington that are doing some great work there. Um, And then there are NGOs like NRDC, and I just recently uh, read a report by World Business Council for Sustainable Development on the road freight logistics.
0: So one interesting wrinkle, and I I get why we're talking so much about cities, but I do... uh for my uh, rural brethren have to ask is how how does all this change uh, for people who don't live in cities, for people who still might like uh, to cling to the suburbs as I do, just to be clear? Uh, what do you see changing uh, for those people?
1: Well, you know, actually uh, there have been, <laughs> been some articles about the fact that there's a, a shift from cities in the U.S. to su- suburbs maybe as as Gen X millennials get older and they want to have kids and families and, you know, soccer fields close, close by. So I, I think one is that these, these approaches can work well in suburban as well as urban environments. I still think it's an issue even if you live in, in the suburbs of, of congestion. Um, and I think there are some interesting things that will come out of this, even for very rural areas. And the idea of pooling goods to be delivered in a rural area is is similar to the urban area, and that you want to get as much consolidation as you can. And then this idea of of lockers, instead of a uh, a, a set of lockers in a in a lobby of a room of a. Office building, you know, there are people looking at mobile lockers, so uh, automated ve- vehicles, you know, driverless, autonomous driver vehicles that pull up to a community center and they ha- have a bunch of lockers and people go pick up their goods there at the community center. So I think there, I think there's innovation that will come from working on this issue in cities that will be applicable to both rural and and suburban areas as well.
0: John, let me ask you this I think maybe a good place to close is to you, what would success look like five years from now, ten years from now? Are there benchmarks that you're hoping to achieve?
1: I think success would be that the majority of cities are convening together to have a uh, strategy and a plan articulated for all sorts of mobility within the city. So goods delivery, moving people, uh, an approach to bicycling in the cities, that all of it is an integrated plan that they're executing against In five years, maybe there are a number of pilot things that they're piloting. And in 10 years, that they've sort of transformed the city environment so that people move about freely, but the goods move about equally as free. And uh, I think that would contribute to a much better urban environment. And that would, be, that would be the great result in 10 years.
0: John, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's a great conversation, and uh, thanks
2: again.
1: We're looking forward to the next time we do something like this.
2: And we're looking forward to it as well, John. You can get a copy of the white paper we talked about with John today. It's called The Road to Sustainable Urban Logistics. You can find that on our Longitudes page. We've posted it with this podcast. And you can also pick it up from UPS's sustainability page, which is sustainability.ups.com. Be sure to check it out.
0: James, this is a bit of a movie trailer, so to speak, but next week is part two of our Urban Logistics series. Our guest is Matthias Winkenbach. He is part of MIT's Mega Cities Logistics Lab. What that means in layman's terms is he's at on the ground implementing actual solutions to this major challenge.
2: He's going to talk about how academia has taken the lead in this process, and uh, you won't want to miss it. We'll see you next week.